0: In the last three years, Raging Romantics has been around. We've talked vampires and werewolves and witches and all sorts of stories from myth. But today, it's time to start talking about some real crime. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, oh. Oh. It's beautiful. Hey there, romance nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to
1: think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about
0: Romancelandia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready.
1: All right. Let's, Let's Rage! rage. Bang,
0: okay. Bang.
1: Okay 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 <clears throat> Jen we're finally back to telling jokes to each other I know I'm really excited And I have a bit of
0: a riddle for you Oh, today. I'm not good at riddles It's okay it's, be only like puzzles. Fun. it's funny if you get it wrong I'd be a really bad serial killer because I'm not a riddle person The only riddles I get right are the ones in The
1: Hobbit <laughs> When he's talking to Smeagol <laughs> So um but anyways Alright what gets covered in dirt But always stays clean Dirt and stays clean Gossip a coffin a coffin but there it's not clean on the inside oh
0: okay
1: yeah until the body starts rotting yeah yeah it did also have a very bad vampire joke all right are you ready yeah give me a vampire joke okay knock knock who's there dracula dracula who dracula can you please let me in <laughs> Shout out to Hallie for that one. It's good, I like that one a lot. It's really good, only if you know vampire lore. The vampire one's yeah. good.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. There you go, you get a twofer. Beautiful. Thank well, you. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to Yay. another episode of Raging Romantics. And it's spooky oh, season. I know, I'm so excited. I want to dive right in today because I think Jackie and I are going to have a lot to talk about <laughs> just from talking to her and knowing that she has actually done research outside of the, the <laughs> script and has done highlighting. And or it, I didn't want this to be a long episode, but I do think it will be. We've been teasing this conversation for a very long time now. And in honor of Halloween, I think it's finally time to have it out about true crime and this growing trend I'm starting to see in Romance Landia of folding true crime aspects or plot points mm-hmm. into the actual genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been reading romance for a very long time. You guys know that if you're long-time listeners. I have definitely have not seen the kind of true crime interest in the last couple of years mm-hmm. that i did growing up so i think it's worth talking about because it i think it comes from a very interesting place
1: yeah and of
0: course romantic suspense has been, yeah, around, it's been for around forever, forever.
1: but it, there's just something different right it's like you still have romantic suspense as a subgenre in mm-hmm. its own but this like true crime stuff like yes we have true crime podcasts, yeah. we have people like
0: involved in mm-hmm. true and like yeah like amateurs doing detective work i yeah. think is new when some of these like jokes about oh well i'm a true crime fan so i can't get murdered ha ha or yeah. like here's a red flag because yeah. i'm a true crime just some of these kind of things from society have started to leak into romance and yeah. i'm really excited to get to talk to you guys about it today plus i uh, i don't know
1: how much you're gonna go into it because mm-hmm. you've already told me no but um, <laughs> morally gray villains and just bad um or morally gray yeah. heroes and just bad guys being like Heroicized, is that a word?
0: I feel like in... Oh, so romanticized? Romanticized, yeah. We could talk about it a little bit. Because yeah, that's I, what i highlighted. I wasn't... I do think there's a difference between like a morally great villain and some of the true crime influence I'm seeing. Because usually a morally, morally great villain is like a... Dark romance, yeah. It's like indie space. I don't see a lot of that in mainstream. Or if it is in mainstream, they they get redeemed at the end, and it's like like fantasy. Yeah, it's like a normal member of society again. You're not like an evil devil guy. But I've definitely read lots of mobster stuff where no, they still stay killing people. They just have a wife now. Yeah. So I think there is a little bit of a difference and. Yeah, I am excited to talk to you guys about that. I want to be really clear, though, that I don't intend to get super detailed about specific true crime cases on this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Jackie and I will be referring to different kinds of crimes or books as we discuss this, Mm -hmm. but I mostly want to talk about why we think women in particular have become so attracted to true crime and how that's melding into Mm -hmm. romance. Mm -hmm. So nothing too gory today, hopefully, but if you don't think you're ready to listen to this episode, it's totally fine. Go check out our Trope Off episode we just did if you want something that's very wild and very silly instead. So silly just like opposite end of the spectrum of yeah, podcast House. <laughs> And as always, thank you so much to Northern Onondaga Public Library for letting us do this during work time. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) I think especially today, I want to stress that these opinions are me and Jackie's, not the library as a whole. So please do not email my boss. And after you listen to this episode, why not go and check out uh, really fun library things that we're offering this month and at your local library. There's
1: so much stuff Mm -hmm. we're
0: doing this month. So go. And I think most libraries between Band Book Week and Halloween, like they've got a lot of very cool programming this this month. So definitely, for some reason, you've been a long time listener and you still have have checked out your local library. I don't, How I, don't dare know, you. I don't know what to do with you for you at this point. So please. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I know Jackie and I have made a lot of offhand remarks about true crime or cases <laughs> frequently. And I feel like we've Only made it a, few. <laughs> a couple of times. Right. But we've made it pretty clear we're bro fans yeah. like overall. Yeah. I definitely have a lot of questions and feelings I want to talk to you about, okay. but I want to make it clear. We're not coming down from up high with really no. judgmental opinions. We're not no. one of like, I, I will judge you a little bit in certain cases, yeah. but I'm not sitting here like, how could you find entertainment from somebody being murdered? Like it's not, that's not that simple.
1: Listen, I only ever really listened to true crime podcasts outside oh, of our own
0: podcast. <laughs> and I think when a bunch of studies find women are significantly more drawn to true crime than men, it does make me want to think a little more critically about mm. it and try to examine why it's now starting to float into romance, best known for its embrace of happy endings. Like they're oxymorons they mm-hmm. shouldn't go together mm-hmm. that's why i made that romeo and Juliet joke about uh happy have being a quote a true crime. about that oh, please jackie tell me the quote all right all
1: right so this was coming from i'll link the source in the show notes for you but this quote comes from two other podcasters who are talking about why they think people and why they love true crime so mm-hmm. much and why their podcast does well um and they say What's so satisfying about a true crime story is when the monsters are locked up at the end of Mm. the day. The good guys, the cops, the detectives, the first responders, the prosecutors, and the family members have the satisfaction of knowing they put this bad guy or girl away. Viewers love when we can tie up loose ends. That's
0: true. It's just like it's all happy wrapped Mm -hmm. up at the end of the podcast. And if not, then there's always a part two. Sometimes. It does depend on the podcast. Yes, this is true. It does depend on the podcast. So just to get started, let's get a baseline. Jackie, do you want to talk a little bit about any feelings or thoughts you have about why you're drawn to the genre specifically before we talk about like women in general? Yeah.
1: So I started listening to podcasts during 2020. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I had never really listened to them before then. I It's for the same reason I don't really read nonfiction. Yeah, I got so burnt out during grad school, which is right when kind of podcasts were starting to make a big appearance, that I never really got into them. Um, and then in 2020, obviously the world was going to pot, and I needed something to do, and I started listening randomly one day. Like a podcast popped up on my phone on my Apple Podcast. I was like, "Oh, that sounds kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Why not try it?" And I think it was. Um, My Favorite Murder, which I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about them. And from there, I started listening to a couple others, and then I got hooked on my favorite one, which is Red Handed, which is a British true crime podcast, and they are amazing podcasters. Mm -hmm. Why I've still continued to listen to them is because I love – so I think there's a couple different reasons. I love hearing these stories. I love something that is really Mm well-researched. I love how it feels – Like I'm listening to news and I'm hearing about things that happened and that were referred to. So I also like to listen to cult podcasts, which are kind of lumped under true crime. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started listening to Dateline podcast through that. And they cover, you know, kind of the stuff that's in the cultural zeitgeist that I never really picked up on because I was either too young or just like my family, you know, they weren't super into it. They just kind of watched the nightly news and that was it. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of hearing about all this stuff that I never really learned about when I was younger or anything like that else. And then, of course, there's always the factor of me being a woman listening yeah. to these things who are happening to other victims, which it's not just women mm-hmm. who are being the victims and it's not just men who are being the, the perpetrators. But it's kind of a, what would you do in that situation? What would you do? How would you react? Would you would you survive? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing.
0: That's totally fair. That's a lot of the things mm-hmm. I've written myself about why I'm into true crime. I want to say I started... I probably started younger than I should have because I remember really loving to watch like Law and Order yes. with mom. Oh my and God, I, think I love Law and Order. That got me kind of an interest in, in kind of the criminal proceedings in general. That's an excellent point because mm. I always think of true crime as podcasts. Yeah. But yeah, no, because I loved watching Dateline mm-hmm. growing up and like all like the documentaries yeah. and stuff like that.
1: So that is an excellent point.
0: And I mean, that's how it started for me. And unfortunately, I did watch a lot of that kind of oxygen like. Oh, oh the tragic death Of Anna Nicole Smith Or the playboy Wife who got murdered Like just these really Kind of exploitive Gross things in hindsight Where yeah. it wasn't Anything thoughtful Or It, it really was just like Look at how this lady Got, like, got killed By her yeah. husband Or somebody who loved So like I, I saw a lot of that And I feel like Serial was actually my turning point when I really started to watch it my mother is obsessed with the radio and I am not I hate it so much so I remember we back when serial was like the big thing and everybody was listening to serial and asking conversations and stuff that's how I heard about it and like I just couldn't stand to listen to the stupid radio anymore so I, I made mom turn it off and we started to listen to it and that it's still the only podcast I've really listened to about okay. true crime. But okay. for whatever reason, it just, like, got me. And then I started watching more documentaries that I heard were popular, like The Jinx. That was a really big one. Um, I watched The Keepers from yeah. Netflix. And it just, BuzzFeed Unsolved, too, weirdly enough, they hit that, got yeah. me really hooked into true crime. Which is weird, because it's not it's not as thoughtful, I think, as things like The Jinx no. or The Keepers. But I think because the two hosts were always like, God, this killer sucks. And it wasn't like, um, they were never mean towards the victims. I remember when I started working at Noble mm-hmm. before I was a librarian. I used to work up at Brewerton
1: one shift a week. And Jen would always be reading a true crime article on the computer yeah. off the <laughs> desk. <laughs> I
0: didn't know you noticed. No, because we
1: started talking. But there yeah. was one. It was like um, a sorority case mm-hmm. or something like that. And I remember we talked about it. So there was a yeah, I did. <laughs> I did read a
0: lot. I do read a lot of the true crime articles, and I watch a lot of the true crime documentaries. Podcasts, I really struggle to listen to podcasts, which is a little embarrassing because we, we run a podcast. I did I did listen to half a podcast, though, for this which episode. One? It was something uh, ladylike or unladylike. Oh, They yeah. did a whole kind of talk about the ethics of mm-hmm. true crime, and that was something I wanted to bring into yes, this. Yes, definitely. So I, I when I think about it, I think it did start off as just kind of like – I, I don't want to be this gross, but yeah, just like a like a morbid curiosity, yeah, which I do not way. like about myself. So I'm gonna be honest about that because I do think that's what attracts people. And then I think as I grew up too and started become becoming more aware of the world, I I have this weird fear of getting murdered, mm. and like I say that half sarcastically, because yes, people do get murdered. I'm not you know too out of pocket there, but statistically, it's probably gonna be a car accident or heart disease that gets me in so really this whole fear of murder lucky's gonna shove
1: you in front of a car
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically well because like you know between the pop-up and like yeah. walking the dog at night like the pop-up did already try to kill it you it did so. it didn't it didn't no it, it didn't it, i have a hard head now she just has a concussion oh <sighs> just it was like years ago i don't it's, the concussion's long gone but and I, I know like technically stranger danger is a thing but really you're much more likely to get murdered by somebody you know and i just i don't think Yeah. Any of my friends or family are planning on killing me at the moment. I imagine there's probably a bunch of victims that would have said the same thing. Yeah. But like overall, when I look at my chances of being murdered, I'm going to say they're low. Yeah. For the most part. So sometimes I feel like I'm doing research when I watch true crime because I do have this weird fear of getting murdered. Mm. Like you said before, I'm looking for like signs of potential like murderers out there, like I'll just pick up on a red flag because mm-hmm. I I'll notice what this person did versus what this person did, or you know if I if I actually am attacked one day I'll be like oh well I can do it this way because this person either did it or didn't fail like it's it's. I don't want to call it homework, but it's almost like I'm preparing for something that's probably not going to happen. Like, yeah. realistically, like, there's a chance because I can definitely see this getting played one day on my own true crime podcast about how, oh, she never thought she'd got, she'd go <laughs> this way. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. So this could come back to haunt me in a very weird way. Yeah. But, like, so if you really sit down and think about it practically, like, it's probably not going to happen to me right at the moment. Right, Right. And I think having that kind of that kind of attitude it makes you a little paranoid too at the same time because i will walk like, like you know i've got bells on my doors i deliberately block a lot of entrances because it's like yeah, oh, she does I'm sleeping can and
1: verify like, yeah.
0: <laughs> like i've let one of my doors if i have a fire again talking about <laughs> practicality if i have a fire i'm pretty much dead because i've blocked <laughs> a lot of my doors i have a frame that's like over the door so i'm not even gonna be able, able to open it it's like broken because I'm more scared of murders than fires, even though yeah. I have a gas stove. Well, that's like yeah, so I'm more scared of
1: supernatural things yeah. happening to me. And like I was on a walk the other day and it was uh twilight and mm-hmm. I was getting super freaked out because there was something like crunching in the woods. And yeah. in reality, it was probably just deer or squirrel because mm-hmm. they sound so loud. But in my brain, I was like, Sasquatch. Yeah, he's gonna get me. Mm. and
0: like i texted my friends i was like can you text me in 15 minutes and if i don't answer call the cops sometimes i do that if i'm walking the dog at night i'll like yeah i'll have my friend on the phone or i'll have my mother i'm just texting like i'll let you know if i get back i'm passing the creepy bar i'll let you know if i live yeah i mean
1: it's always a danger for anybody in the world like a victim Mm -hmm. can be anybody and anybody can be a perpetrator that's true um there are riskier lifestyles that do lead to a higher crime rate that's for sure um and in reality like jen said jen and i probably are definitely lower risk we're both homebodies, yeah. and we're very have boring very small <laughs> circles like the most danger i'm in is
0: when i ride a horse yeah. or like when i'm out in the woods alone mm-hmm. yes that is kind of dangerous yeah but i don't sit here watching car documentaries right i don't yeah. sit here like lucky you better not push me down the stairs yeah <laughs> but (laughs) because of true crime though i've had very serious conversations with my mother okay this is what you do with lucky if i die yeah like i expect you to take him to the vet yeah this is his food this is like i've got all these preconceived plans for my death even though do you have a murder packet i thought about it but then i thought it's really not safe either to have all of your information like that you know what i did do because after cereal i still remember her opening about you know do you remember what you did seven weeks ago like, if seven weeks from now the police come to you and are like, what did you do on so-and-so a day? Give me hour by hour. You probably wouldn't remember if nothing. Us neurodivergence
1: are like, <laughs> I was wearing gray sweatpants <laughs> and a black hoodie and I walked the dog at 7.02 a.m. No.
0: <laughs> but that'd be really hard to do. So yes. And that, that, that happened to Anon where yeah. he was, where, yeah, weeks later the police are like, well, what did you do? And it's like, I don't know. It was a normal yeah. day. I don't remember anything. So for a while I did keep a record. Yeah. Which, again, is very <laughs> stupid. But I was also thinking, I'm going to feel really dumb if this ever does happen to me, and I don't have this record. I did if, stop doing that, but it's just like... Here's here's a mild, like, tangential mm. thought. What? Do
1: we think that part of the reason that podcasts, true crime podcast documentaries, mm-hmm. books are getting popular are because there's an increased recognition of neurodivergence, and neurodivergence really relates itself well to kind of like hyperfixation and hyperfocus? Mm. So, like, for me as ADHD... I really like to hyper focus on something. And for me, sometimes that is true crime podcasts. And like I will literally go down the list and like listen to every single one, even if I've listened to them to before, I'll listen to them again and then it'll come kind of, kinda of lead me down a rabbit hole of listening to another. Or like how you were saying you were creating a list, that almost lends itself. I'm not saying you have just O C D
0: just for a little <laughs> bit until I was like Jet.
1: <laughs> but it it, it it is almost yeah. O C D like behavior yeah. for that or the I, paranoia
0: i mean the paranoia is definitely a thing i think that's more because now we're this we've got this 24 hours news cycle where it's like yeah, people are dying all the time, and you're really scared and uh, yeah i watch a documentary at night and now i've decided oh this is how i'm dying even though i had like i don't know five pounds of sugar that day Can verify <laughs>
1: yeah too i i remember i talked to my therapist at one point i was like you know i was feeling really anxious i was driving mm-hmm. to a campsite and i was like i was feeling really anxious and like the map was wasn't working and all this sort of stuff and my true crime podcast was playing the background she's like jackie why were you listening to a true crime podcast mm-hmm. while you were driving to a campsite in the middle of the woods yeah. all
0: alone <laughs> and i was like like you're almost setting yourself up for it
1: because in a weird way mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I've i've grown my podcast since then but yeah That's healthy of you. Thank you. Really good job. Now I just listen to morbid things that happen in parks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And things about Napoleon. (laughs) Yeah, some of it I think we do do to ourselves. Yes, for sure. I think one of the other reasons I really like true crime, I think, is I do like to learn stuff. And I find with true crime, it exposes a lot of inequalities and failures of the system and things I didn't. I like just my worldview. I totally missed one of one of my new favorite documentaries. I just watched was on Hulu. Never Let Him Go. It's about a brother searching for like two decades trying to figure out what happened to his brother. He had been in Australia, and then they find him naked at the bottom of a cliff. And the cops were kind of just like, "Oh, suicide." Mm. And then as the podcast goes on, it's like, "Well, Australia had a massive homophobic problem. Mm. He was gay." it definitely seems like they've kind of brushed a lot of these so-called suicides off because they there there was like a crazy culture in Australia where it was very open they would just go beat gay people up. Yeah. So it's four episodes of this and it just ends up addressing so many different questions because first of all, okay, why did it take 20, 30 years for this case to get taken seriously to be, you know, even attempted to be investigated and then you find out well the brothers like crazy rich. Yeah like ridiculously rich he got in the dot-com boom in the 90s so yeah he has all this money in the world to do as many investigations as he wants specifically to his brother so Mm -hmm. then it has to be like well is justice only for the rich yeah and it just ended up opening like all these thoughts and questions and that's what i tend to really like with true crime is yeah totally like it just exposes all of these kind of blinders i had
1: yeah there's a term i really like that some of my favorite podcasters use and that they really focus on is the lesser dead yeah so the lesser dead is this concept of people who are victims who they are they're not rich they're Mm -hmm. not white they're not women yeah you know they may be people of color they may be indigenous women they might be um uh so in australia if we're talking about People who are gay, if we're talking mm-hmm. about the indigenous community out there, those are people who would be considered a lesser yeah. dead, or even like sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are suffering with addiction, they are the lesser dead. They are the ones that they quote unquote slip through the cracks. Yeah. Um, and I think that podcasts who focus on highlighting their stories mm-hmm. and on highlighting their justice, or not just podcasts, but like any true crime people that do, mm-hmm. those are the ones that we need to be listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we do, especially now where any two idiots can sit down with a microphone. Here we are!
0: <laughs> talk Two about whatever
1: they want um i think we do run the risk of you know falling down the popularity rabbit hole yeah. so like when gabby petito went missing right um there was a lot of chatter about how gabby petito yes her case was terrible and like she needed to be found and she was still a victim but at the same time there were 17 missing indigenous women during yeah. that week who went missing alone mm-hmm.
0: but it was just gabby the and it was just gabby yeah. it was getting 24 7 news coverage mm-hmm. i mean the pretty white victim thing is definitely a thing yeah i mean that's john the name ramsey yeah that's been true for a thousand years the madeline kane yeah i mean we could just sit here and rattle them off i think one of the powers of true crime podcasts that you know i will give them credit to i think they definitely have the ability to shine light on those stories Mm -hmm. and to if you just get like the right audience the right host yeah if you don't have like two idiots like us just sitting here talking i think you definitely could make a difference at yeah. least in one case. But then again, you're going back to like, it's one case. Mm-hmm. So going back to never let him go, he kept saying, or like the brother kept saying, well, yeah, no, I'm going to put all this money towards helping my brother, or like the other people like my brother. But like, how do you actually do that? You spent like probably millions of dollars investigating this. Are you, if he had a, if he had like a charity investigating other people. Who suffered this because there were a lot of men found at the bottom of cliffs yeah it was not just his brother okay but his brother again had a very rich brother he was intelligent himself he had like a huge future in front of him of academia and then you know this happened so he again he was very much not a lesser victim in that sense yeah. but he would have been forgotten if his brother wasn't rich yeah so it's just like this constant loop of like okay i'll give you credit here but then i think that's why I've, I've had so many conflicts lately about true crime as much as i like it there's always kind of that if, that if mm-hmm. that but and i know you can't really ethically consume things under capitalism that's been done to death on smarter podcasts but there is something about true crime i think we have to be careful we're not making entertainment we're not like making money making a name for ourselves out of the pain of somebody else's yeah. families and yeah. i think people do cross that line yes. too much
1: exploitative yeah yeah um a lot I, – so I feel like with true crime, there was this boom in the 20-teens. Just like with everything else, as the internet kind of grew mm-hmm. and as other media really grew in popularity, everything mm-hmm. from books to yeah. TV to podcasts to like the online.com mm-hmm. stuff, um, I think that true crime started really getting a boom because more people had more access to things. Yeah. And as more access was granted, more people were like, well, I want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I want to disseminate this. And that kind of grew into – podcasts it grew into the documentaries it grew into youtube like true crime on youtube is
0: huge oh god i do i want to mention really quick yeah so modern women are definitely not weird or sick in the head no because no you know for or whatever for being fascinated by true crime like you said there was a boom definitely nobody's arguing with that but we've been fascinated by true crime for centuries we can see evidence of a true crime craze, kind of from like newspapers starting in the 16th century. They start detailing things like executions or capital crimes. They start circulating little pamphlets detailing really grisly murders. Yeah, and people would even create ballads to sing about various criminals. So it's definitely not I like mean, look a at modern the French thing. Revolution where yeah. they were chopping people's
1: heads off and selling people selling tickets. I know. Tickets. Look at all the
0: reports of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, from England. And this wasn't like it was some kind of lowbrow entertainment. Before people come at me about that, like. This was, you had to have money yeah. to buy this stuff. So it wasn't just like the masses sitting no. there laughing at somebody getting their I head cut off. They was. were too. They were too. Yeah. But they didn't have access to some of these things. And I know In Cold Blood by Truman Caboney is considered sort of the first modern true crime book. And then we also have um, Anne Rule's mm-hmm. book about her relationship to Ted Bundy. So, I mean, just for centuries and decades, we have had an interest in true crime. I do think one of the turning points was probably serial mm-hmm. because it made it very accessible to do it on a podcast mm-hmm. and I think too like there's definitely things you can criticize about her approach to the podcast but she she made it feel more like highbrow mm. I want to say because even Anne Rule's book you know it's in like that little gross paperback. Yeah. it feels like a it's not it's not in the same level of, of embarrassing of like a romance book with Fabio on it but I don't think you went around being like oh here's this grisly murder book I have yeah. You know, it was definitely a different level of entertainment. But now I think because of cereal, because of the jinx, because of the staircase, I feel like they added a kind of like a shinier gloss. Yeah. Like a more prestige, a more like, oh, here are these deeper questions. And here is what this crime really says about us as a society. They add like this glimmer.
1: Yes. It's almost, this is one of the red flags that can rise in mm. podcasting because, yes, it can just be two idiots sitting down with a microphone who really have absolutely no. Right, no yeah. reason, no education into why they're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Jen and I, we come from academic backgrounds, so when we talk about things like me with anthropology or history, mm-hmm. or Jen when she gets really into literary criticism
0: and to books and all that sort That's of. That's a very nice way of saying I
1: threw that book across
0: <laughs> the ground.
1: She she has a background where she can you know rely on her training and rely on having been taught. Mm-hmm ways to think about things, critical thinking processes versus you have two 21 year old white women sitting down doing their makeup doing their makeup and they're just like oh did you hear about so and so their body was found at the base of yeah. a river and you know i hear so and so one of the sources i was reading today was like that's not research that's yeah. just gossip yeah which that's is incredibly dangerous yeah
0: and it's just gross yeah it's really gross like i think you have to kind of put yourself in the it's family shoes that's when i started to kind of change not change my opinion of true crime but when i was like oh i gotta think about this a little more is when victims family started coming yeah. out to be like you know like this was my family member <laughs> this was a very real thing that happened to us we have to live with this every day there's all these ripples I I, I think a lot too about the, the Dahmer TV show yeah and like I I know the cast argues oh we're just showing the, the inequality in the police force and how this happened but at the same time to have the victim's families come out and be like you know you didn't talk to me you didn't give me any of the money you didn't give me any of the credit you just did whatever you wanted I don't that's not the right answer either there
1: was um In 2020, 48 Hours premiered a true crime documentary. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Mm Roy Shell versus Roy Shell, I think, and it was about a case 30 years ago where a man killed. Um, no, he had attempted first degree murder of his wife. Um, and his daughter was there present. Now this documentary came Mm -hmm. out 30 years later. Now the daughter is getting. You know, she's getting death threats. She's mm-hmm. getting bullied. Yeah. She're, her wedding is getting criticized. Oh <laughs> People are like, you're being spoiled in a yeah. brat. Your dad's in prison. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, uh, what? what or can you imagine, like, this is one of my <laughs> issues I have, like, for the victims of the, of the families, yeah. right? Or The families of the victim. They say it's a child. Yeah. And they have no idea that this happened. And mm-hmm. then suddenly they hear their name in conjunction. Can you imagine how traumatic that yeah. would be? psychologically speaking uh, i was
0: reading an article about candy with jessica biel on hulu and i guess candy is still alive she was accused of well, okay she definitely did it she murdered her friend with an axe she was having an affair with her husband and her argument in court was oh i just went blank and she attacked me first mm. and like you don't have the other side of the story because obviously she's dead but she's still alive and this tv show is coming out i don't even know if her family totally knew what had happened and that yeah she's getting calls and she's getting all of this attention and obviously she doesn't want to talk about it and no i think the show was like yeah no we didn't talk to anybody yeah and i think betty's family came out too and was like you know this isn't what betty was like yeah i think there's a danger too in some of the fictional or the some of the fictionalized tv shows where to tell a story to get across a certain narrative you really change the story itself and that's a really good uh segue into talking about fictional
1: depictions of Mm -hmm. true crime and In my opinion, talking about the romanticization, romantic, that's a hard word, romanticization sometimes of criminals. That's fair. Yeah, so
0: I'm going to say outright, obviously, do not ever romanticize a real criminal. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and listen to you talk about how handsome Ted Bundy was or Jeffrey Dahmer was misunderstood or the poor, poor little TJ Holmes. <laughs> I have a whole thing highlighted. <laughs> Tell me your highlights. I just okay. want to say first off, no, yes. no, absolutely no. never romanticizing like any real person, yeah. anybody yeah. who lived in the physical world we know as the earth. Yes. And
1: to go off of that, there is a documented psychological condition. Mm-hmm. It is a paraphilia, which is a sexual attraction to something. The actual word, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right. It's hybristophilia um it is a paraphilia that is abnormal and or extreme sexual desires the sexual attraction to someone who has committed some sort of outrageous and extraordinary crime Mm -hmm. um so the women the quote-unquote fangirls i hate that term (sighs) who followed ted bundy around they were quote-unquote diagnosed with having hybristophilia. So
0: the women who did that, I don't know too much about the aftermath of Ted Bundy. Did, did they accept what he did yes. or were they like, oh, he's
1: innocent? They No, they accepted what he did and they were attracted to it.
0: They like, they, they wanted to be murdered too yes. or they were going to be like the one special woman he didn't murder?
1: No, they were attracted to it too.
0: Like everything? Yes. So yes. like the
1: idea that he could bash their heads in. Yes. It. Oh my god. There <laughs> is, so <laughs> but, don't, but don't, but don't be completely grossed out by it okay. yeah because this is a psychological disorder so yeah. people are mentally ill i'm just saying you know, yeah. this is
0: why they've needed therapy for like but a the,
1: the issue is that um and this is this is a quote <laughs> as i'm like flipping through i'm like hey guys, course, guys um so within the social zeitgeist the conversation seems to center on anecdotal or true crime stories focusing on high hy- hybristophilia as occurring within quote-unquote serial killer rupees um or defines them as women who pursue relationships and marriages with convicted and incarcerated offenders so that is all kind of lumped under this but the problem with this term and with this kind of like it's hypersexualization of specifically the women who have become attracted to these men yeah. who are undergoing this mental illness and the issue is that is that there is no actual case study that has narrowed it down A to gender or to occurrence. It has kind of all been focused especially on the women, Mm. and it really arose out of the serial killer wave of the 1970s and 80s with Ted Bundy, Dahmer,
0: and all those... People who are hypersexualized. So this whole idea could just be some weird shrink's, like I- yeah, idea with no proof or no it thought. Came or no 19, it came up
1: in 1986 was the up. first time it was defined, and since then it's just kind of grown. It was originally defined as an individual who is sexual sexual erotically turned on by only turned on only by a partner who has predatory history of outrages perpetrated on others. That is kind of like the direct translation of hybristophilia, philia being sexual desire, Mm -hmm. hybristo being um, one who commits outrages against another. So, you know, it's just kind of the direct translation of the word. But since then, it has grown in 2002 and 2004 to be sexual attraction to a criminal and then sexually attracted um, or aroused by a predatory partner. And now, like I said, it's kind of become really joined hand in hand as of 2014 with serial killer groupies. Mm. Um, And a lot of it goes back into the not understanding of s- female sexuality as a whole and yeah. kind of that daddy issue problem. Because mm-hmm. so, I'm
0: like, some of these women could just read dark romance. And yes, be good. Yes. You don't have to go after Ted Bundy. Yeah, no.
1: It includes an <laughs> ignorance or outright denial of female sexuality and female aggression. So it's kind of this belief mm. of women who are attracted to violent men are only attracted to violent men because they've had violence done to them in the yeah. past or they okay. have you know some sort of issues mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's completely anecdotal information and it's assumption based on specific cases like with mm-hmm. Bundy or a really good example is Fred and Rose West oh, in the UK. Guys, yeah. And it was a buddy system, but it kind of subverts this where mm-hmm. she was the primary aggressor, but he enacted Yeah. trigger like warning. He enacted the rapes, right. but she was sexually aroused by him enacting mm-hmm. those deeds
0: yeah it's amazing you ever leave your house honestly.
1: i know it really is guys i have so much more highlighted but i think i'm gonna leave it at that because it's um it's just kind of a misunderstanding of okay. female desire and female
0: mm-hmm. i mean i understand aggression. that but at the same time just remembering the the tweets that went viral of oh god down da- the dom is so hot yeah. and so cute and i feel so bad for him yeah like And that is, there's a lot of
1: people. But I think, too, that outside of this hyperstophilia, I think that that has gotten sexualized itself. Mm. So, like, there are people who do suffer from this as a mental illness. But then with the romanticization of true crime and the popularity and, like, the the issue with the online space, I think that the attention-seeking... I want it to at that
0: i know in one of the articles i read there is an idea that true crime kind of has its own fandom mm. and yeah that's where you get some of the ted bundy groupies mm-hmm. or you get these discords of people just really like oh my god look at the columbine shooters they were so great they were so amazing Ugh. i wonder too how much of this is kind of from us being less connected to each other mm. it, it it just feels in I don't want to sound like a boomer here. And I'm sorry to any boomers who are listening. Like, I do appreciate your your thoughts. Yes. But I feel like normally when people start talking about, oh, we're just so disconnected, we're not, you know, in touch with each other anymore. Th- but that does feel like a thing here, because I don't know if people are really emphasizing the way they used to. Yeah. Because I think just to sit here and be like, oh, Ted Bundy was so sweet. It just feels like you've got, like, some kind of disconnect from the rest of humanity. You can't see, but I just, like, widen my eyes dramatically yeah. at that statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's more than one of the things I was thinking about with true crime is there's there also is something to be said for being scared and for being so close to something so scary. So I'm wondering if for some women, maybe they just they're missing the stopgap between like, oh, well, like, I'm kind of curious. I have like a morbid sense of curiosity. It's like watching a car crash. I want to know what happened to being like, oh, I want to be with that person. Mm. And I, I don't want
1: people to get that wrong idea with us generalizing by just saying women because yeah. like it's not just women as that, i was yeah. trying to just prove and like <laughs> the papers i was but reading is,
0: but i do think there is something like women seem to like true crime more than men that's what all the studies are saying i've never but i like, haven't seen any actual case studies it's all the anecdotal one, well no the I've one seen. that i did have was from uh that's it this amanda vickery who did do a whole experiment where they gave men and women uh, two different kinds of books to choose one was like a true crime book and the other one was like a gang violence war type of book so something that's similarly violent I think a lot of women end up relating more to true crime because so much of true crime ends up being like a husband murdering a wife yeah and that's usually how women will die yeah some I think there's something like I don't know three women die every day from intimate mm. violence in the United mm-hmm. States I do also want to say there's a lot of
1: understanding of human impulses Mm -hmm. behind true crime yeah so yeah you're right there's more
0: psychology yeah because like with the war stuff i feel like it's more like oh well this is like the historical account of what happened there's not a lot of emotion behind there but one of the things with true crime is it is very emotional yeah like you're seeing the evidence you're seeing the crime scenes you're hearing from the families you're maybe hearing from the killer at some point it's very hard unless you're you're like a a hardcore reporter on cnn like you expect to show some emotion mm-hmm. and to make it very personal, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's one reason women are also attracted to true crime.
1: Yeah, and then also I wanted to say that one. Of my, I keep coming back.
0: One of my sources, guys. <laughs> do I sound like a reporter? You do.
1: But one of my sources was talking about how, when we listen to true crime, mm-hmm. when we're hearing about you know these boyfriends, these husbands, these partners committing violence, we are going through it ourselves and so we're kind of experiencing this the what if situation Mm -hmm. but we're also seeing the worst that it could get that's true right so uh, this um article i was reading was talking about hybristophilia specifically and they were talking about how quote unquote criminals can make the perfect boyfriend in a way Mm -hmm. these women know what their where their boyfriend is at all times they've seen the worst that they can do that's true and they only have to share positive encounters with him Mm -hmm. it's a controllable and weirdly safe option Mm. So like we're listening to these podcasts, these documentaries, we're seeing these people who like Bundy in some cases may be conventionally attractive, right? Like they've been documented as people saying, Oh, I think he's attractive for the record. I do not. not. But some people, hey, whatever floats your boat, right? Um don't let that float your boat. Just <sighs> put a hole in the boat if that's what floats your oh, boat. Well, listen, I'm not gonna yuck somebody's
0: yum. That one I will. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You have made me forget what I was going to say. Oh, so I wasn't necessarily saying why they like violent men, but maybe sometimes why they listen to true crime mm-hmm. because they can experience it in a safe way. Like we were yes. coming back to,
0: like we were talking about in true in a dark romance. Yeah, where there is a lot of fear about getting raped, getting murdered, getting hurt by your intimate partner. This is a way to get, like, right up there and kind of think, okay. It's like exposure therapy. Yeah. Like, this is what they did. And then I think sometimes, too, there's, like, a natural what if, what would I do? So
1: I think there's also yeah. something to be said for how podcasts can lend a
0: sense of justice to wrongs that were done. You know what? That's a good point. I'm going to carry off of there because I think with a lot of these cases, you never would have heard about them without mm. the the podcast. Like mm-hmm. I never would have heard the about the lesser dead that we were talking about. Exactly yeah. that too. But like things like with cereal, like yeah, he would still be in a cell probably without cereal. Yeah. Again, there are definitely things to criticize about the podcast, but I do think it got kind of the wheel running. It's not totally fair because there's still plenty of other people in jail. Mm-hmm. But for these kind of cherry picked cases, I think yeah, you you definitely need it. And the podcast I did half listen to for this podcast. You're welcome, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> this the host said this really interesting term that kind of stuck out at me. I think when it comes to liking true crime, I think we either have, like, a victim power fantasy or we have, like, a justice power fantasy Mm. going on. So I think with a victim power fantasy, it would either be like, okay, you survive the attack or you get away from the bad thing. Mm -hmm. So it's you kind of being there like, yeah, I'm fighting my ex-boyfriend and I'm surviving. Mm -hmm. Ho, ho, ho. Kind of like Mm -hmm. it enough with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And I think, on the flip side, if you don't survive it, I think it is a fantasy that people will care. And that we want to see justice done. Yes, that people will notice. Because I do have, like... One of my other fears is, like, dying in my apartment. Nobody realizes. I would realize. Eventually, but it would take a couple of days. Yeah, because you don't but, text me back immediately. That's true. <laughs> but no, but if it is something where, like, OK, Lucky does, like, trip me down the stairs on a Sunday night, like, nobody might notice till Tuesday. Yeah. Right? And there's like, been a couple cases where people have just been in their apartments for years because nobody ever noticed. So I do feel like with some of these, especially when you hear some of the really awful details of them, like getting left in the woods or getting like left in a box yeah. i think there is something in knowing okay something could happen to me but there will be a group of either family friends or total strangers who will want to care yeah i think there is something that's really i hate to say hopeful because again i'm hoping i don't get murdered <laughs> but it's like okay if i do get murdered then maybe i'll have my own podcast and, and people will figure out what happened to me because that drives me crazy too of, of i don't want to be a mystery Like, I already don't want to be the subject of a true crime podcast or or documentary or whatever, but it would be so much worse if it was like, if you have any information on the disappearance of Jennifer Tolley, please email us at Unsolved Mysteries. If it was one of those cases where it's just like I disappear. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it it already gives me like chills. You want a sad psychology fact? Go for it.
1: So part of the reason that we have this, I don't remember the exact term, but what you were just saying. So Mm -hmm. like if we get hurt we hope somebody cares yeah. or if we go missing we hope like a search is enacted mm-hmm. is because we didn't have our emotional needs met when we were a child right well
0: thanks mom and dad
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yep it comes from a form of emotional neglect preach it
0: well, can tell that to my mother later
1: you didn't love me enough and you all your
0: therapist to listen to this one <laughs>
1: I've already covered all these bases I think, of mine. So. No, you know what?
0: Listen, I watch a lot of Unsolved Mysteries, and I do feel like there is something to to like hoping that you do get – discovered or like remembered or yeah again because some of those cases drive me crazy just like mm. not understanding how like it, where'd they go like madeline happened. mccann yeah like what that what happened to that poor kid yeah like some of these are just so wild in the like i like i said in the beginning i don't like puzzles i don't like riddles i want to know and it's
1: kind of a modern belief too that we will know everything like yeah. we ha- are we are global you know we're a global community now we mm-hmm. have the online we have everything at our fingertips and there's this kind of belief of well i could never yeah be that person who right. nobody ever hears from again when mm-hmm. in reality it is
0: entirely likely it's people do disappear every yeah. single day unfortunately i think about that when i walk the dog and i'm like it is <laughs> lucky as loud and hopefully like maybe somebody will be like well you know at 11 p.m last night i did hear a weird little yippity dog and that could very well be the last sign of jennifer tolly oh
1: but, well, i would know if i sent you a podcast and you didn't get back to me on editing it i'd be like mm, jen has not texted me a back <laughs> I saw here's a moment of levity. It was a TikTok I was watching and the person was like, well, how did you realize this person was missing? And they're like, well, I texted them. and They didn't text me back for a few days, but that's not normal. Yeah. And then I called them and it went straight to voicemail, but that's also totally normal, right? Mm-hmm. And then it went to be like a week and then it happened to be two weeks. And I was like, oh, I should probably really talk to this person mm-hmm. at some point. So like as much as we are a global community, at the same time, it's this – realization that we do self-isolate a lot. Yeah. And for some people like me, I might not respond to a text for a couple of days. Right and that's not totally unnormal but
0: but i would at some point i'd like call bill and be like hey make jackie call me back yeah because i need to know this yeah. thing and then it'd be like oh jackie hasn't been seen in three days Yeah, it's like i thought she was just out sick or blowing me off yeah because i think about that with my friends who i don't think would have my parents number so i'm like i don't know how some of my my, my best friend has my mom's number <laughs> see and i probably should do that actually so mom can tell people like oh yeah i, I also i don't know where jenna is
1: so level of paranoia you know they used to have like yeah. life alert things i have my apple watch which has fall mm. alert on it and it has yeah. emergency sos which
0: is the oh, reason that idea. i bought it see and that's why i set up my uh, i have safe pilot through my insurance yeah where it does like track me as i drive yeah to, to give me benefits yep. which is mostly why i did but it's also like oh if i go missing then like somebody can see where i was but it's also people can see where i am and i think yeah. people do forget that with these, like, weird paranoias of getting murdered or snatched or... Missing. Yeah, but also,
1: I mean, it's not entirely weird. Like, we've been saying this whole thing, but mm. there is, if we step back from, like, the true crime discussion for a yeah. second, there is this modern phenomenon of women being hyper-aware and hyper-vigilant. Yeah, that's been true forever. Women, um, people of color, yeah. people on the queer community, um, who ha- are hyper-vigilant when they go out into social situations. Yeah. when So, like, when I go for a run, if I'm running in town, I will have one earbud mm-hmm. out one earbud in yeah. i like you know i'm trying not to be distracted if i'm running in the woods it's no music it's just me and my dog right. like i always have my dog i have mm-hmm. like i have a knife on me when i run yeah versus like when a guy might go out for a run he in the middle of the woods he's just like okay i got Here my music go. i'm just gonna go out for a run i got my water i'm ready to go mm. and i think that true crime kind of to bring it back helps us play into that paranoia of being it's not just me yeah i'm not the only one who's worried about i remember this. reading an
0: article about my favorite murder Ugh. and they the reporter asked on their facebook page well like what do you get out of this this podcast like what do you get out of this community and a lot of them did come out and say well you know they give me a sense of uh, strength they give me a sense of no i'm not crazy this is like dangerous they give me ideas they give me like power mm. and kind of like this idea that i am capable because even though there are so many really depressing stories, there's also a couple of hopeful ones where it's like, no, I did fight back and I did survive. And this is not a podcast that endorses My Favorite Murder. So okay. do you know about them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they're one of the ones I'm concerned about when we talk about some of the true crime podcasts. I feel like we're giving like a good faith kind of, of brush over a lot of true yeah. crime podcasts and being like, oh yeah, they're really thoughtful and sensitive and they take these things seriously. And then I read about My Favorite Murder and I guess they do a lot of flippant Things? they are comedians they okay. are true
1: crime comedians okay. is how they label themselves mm-hmm. so their saying was stay sexy don't get murdered yeah. which on the surface you're like oh haha, that's okay. funny but when you start diving into it you're like oh so if you're not sexy and you get murdered well, it's your fault i
0: didn't read that when i read the story about why she started saying that it was because somebody saved her life and that was like the final like statement she said so they only saved her because she was sexy well no i think it was just like a general like stay sexy stay safe like a uh, Yeah. Just like a girl to girl, like girl talk thing. Yeah. But it's one of those things once you start diving deeper. And then the other
1: issue is that when they started using that slogan, they came out with t shirts with teepees on them. And they put that underneath. And the issue with that was, again, missing in Indigenous women. Yeah. And they put that underneath of a teepee Mm -hmm. saying, like, go stay sexy, don't get murdered. But hey. Mm here's a teepee yeah. with that saying you connect the dots mm-hmm. um, there's also an issue where um, one of the hosts was presented with a doll that they used to simulate um, a, a trigger warning for this sexual violence that's done to children yeah. and they used the doll and she was gifted at all and she was like freaking out and mimicking sex acts on oh, it oh okay And then they never really issue apologies. Mm -hmm. They sign multi-million dollar deals, which that's their prerogative, whatever. But then they kind of go off and they perpetuate this like, true crime is funny. Who cares what the families have to say Mm -hmm. attitude about everything? And so there's been a lot of discussion around them in the past. Honestly, like the past couple of months has had a lot of discussions raised around them. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple other podcasts, too, where I've started listening to them. And I'm like, I don't like how flippant you're being, Mm -hmm. how you're turning this into a comedy show. This is somebody's... Dead. And, and I like,
0: understand like a gallows kind of humor or like yeah. a dark sense of humor to help cope with some of these right. things.
1: I just think you got to be careful nowadays. And there's a difference between poking fun at the victim and poking and fun, fun at, at the, the criminal yeah. like yeah make fun of the criminal all you yeah. want mm-hmm. like sometimes they really deserve it like ted yeah. bundy yeah Do it. no he's not attractive mm-hmm. um but like his
0: victims mm-hmm. no not just that but i think it also takes down some of the myths yeah. around of like the cunning serial killer yeah and i i feel like i grew up reading about how smart ted bundy mm. was and really when you look into it he's like no he he preyed on people's sense of like goodwill mm-hmm. he was like a coward he was disgusting he wasn't like a like a cool casual guy like like just some of these kind of ideas Mm -hmm. i think you almost have to attack with humor just like to get rid of them yeah so i don't know much about the podcast i just threw that out there because i thought it was a good representation of okay like
1: what some of the listeners get out of these types of podcasts yeah but it was also a good pivot Mm -hmm. into like talking about how a lot of true crime now has devolved into this dark comedy Mm -hmm. and there is like you said there's a difference between gallows humor and comedy right um and how you treat a case and how you treat the victims mm-hmm. and how you treat the families and the survivors. I think that there has to be a line that's right. drawn in the sand
0: mm-hmm. So yeah. And then with that other piece I had mentioned about like oh victim power fantasy, I also said like a justice power fantasy. Mm-hmm. I feel like even if you aren't a fan of true crime, you you kind of just have to be aware enough of the world that not everybody gets justice that things are definitely not cut and dry whether you look at police work, law enforcement, the judicial system there are uh, how do i put this really diplomatically jackie they uh everybody's doing the best they can but mm-hmm. sometimes like the best is not good enough we'll put it that way and i think with some true crime not all true crime but there is a lot of true crime where they have an ending mm-hmm. and they have a very clear representation mm-hmm. of okay this is what happened to this person like i said at the beginning we like yeah. ties to loose ends mm-hmm. so i do like that aspect of true crime I also like The Unsolved Mysteries, again, because I feel like I'm being useful at that point. Like, I could help solve a crime. Mm-hmm. It's not just entertainment. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on the lookout for that tattoo. Yeah. I'm going to be on the lookout for that kid. I love I could Madeline be helpful. McCann's yeah. eye starburst. Because I remember, I did look it up. Unsolved Mysteries did solve something like six, like 300 cases. Like,
1: yeah. They did
0: a bit. Like, out of the 600 they presented, or the 700, I think they did help solve, like, a chunk of them. And even with the newest version on Netflix, I think they were able to find a child who had been kidnapped by their parent. I don't know if any of the other cases have had any kind of input like that. I know one of the the cases got reopened because of unsolved crimes. I think there is some good that can come from attention.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. there is a whole, and I'm trying to find the name of it. I mean, it's Basically, it's a cold case investigation, but there are... These like social justice projects that are rising up that mm-hmm. are focusing specifically on, you know, people they believe or who say they so are like wrongly convicted. Like Innocence project but then, Innocence Project, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the ones who are looking specifically at the unsolved cases. Yeah. They are like making people pay attention. So Red Handed has had um a couple cases brought to their attention by i really I'll, I'll tag it in the show notes once i find it once i listen to a couple other podcasts mm-hmm. and try to remember it um, but they've had these brought to their attention and they're mm-hmm. like okay we're gonna focus on this and we're gonna talk about it because mm-hmm. we have an audience and we can talk about yeah. this and draw attention to it from people who won't know right sinisterhood
0: is really good about that Sinisterhood, okay. i love good. sinisterhood good
1: job Sinisterhood. and sinisterhood has a lawyer as one of the podcasters so she talks about a lot of law stuff
0: uh any final thoughts on like why we're into true crime or any like any final before we go really into- <laughs> briefly twenty twenty and mm-hmm.
1: COVID like there was a huge uptick in okay. true crime. I mean, like I was a person who mm-hmm. hit it because of COVID hit it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who started listening during mm-hmm. COVID. Um, and there was another quote that I want to yeah. give. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, but it is what's going on right now, referring to COVID. Yeah is really about the extremism of human nature you're seeing so many good stories about heroes on the front mm-hmm. line and squabbles in politics and things like that and you see the both sides of human nature yeah. coming out during mm-hmm. covid that's what true crime is as well mm. you see the both sides yeah. and also to talk about like we're seeing so many bad things that were happening during 2020, 2020 yeah. 2021 2022. and even still now the bad things are still happening and by we don't want necessarily happy stories because sometimes it's just too much to have like those yeah. two kind of things on either side. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to meet somewhere in the middle and listening to something that's darker, watching something that's also dark. There's this horrid fascination, but it's morbid in that it takes your mind off of things yeah. going on in the real world. OK. I don't know if any of that made sense. But
0: I mean, I like I said, I was already into true crime before COVID. Yeah. Honestly, like COVID is such a blur in my head. I don't even remember what I watched. Like, I got, like, into World of Warcraft for an, uh, for a little bit. One of my sources yeah. was still talking about is it
1: the novel coronavirus. And I was uh, like, oh, that's a term I haven't heard in a couple of years. It's been a minute. It's not novel anymore.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, since we have already spent this much time talking about true crime, yep. it is very much on the forefront of our society. It's one of, it's like a crazy popular subgenre, So, it really is not surprising that it is now starting to leak into romance. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere else. (laughs) It's absolutely everywhere else. And as we have talked about before, romance is definitely a reflection of the society at large. So yeah, actually, you know, now that you said the COVID thing, I feel like it really has been the last two, three, four years since COVID Mm -hmm. that we're starting to see more characters with these kinds of true crime interests or Mm -hmm. true crime backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really interesting and Let's, let's talk about it because okay. I'm excited. Okay. Do, do, do. So I can't exactly give you a book it necessarily started with, but I can tell you books like My Killer Vacation by Tessa Bailey and Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alyssa Thompson, Murder Most Actual by Alexis Hall, and just a bunch more books are signs that we are starting to see female protagonists who are very much into true crime. Mm-hmm. I want to separate these from the thrillers or suspense that have also been very popular. Like we talked about before. Exactly, because yeah. usually those are either trained professionals Or there's someone who just sort of fell into a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. It's like not really in the middle anywhere. (laughs) Instead, we're seeing either characters who are fans of true crime enough that it's referenced a bunch of times during the story or it becomes an important plot point. We're... Mm-hmm.
1: Or, like, there can be, a, like, a out like, oh, I don't want to end up at a true yeah. crime podcast. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff.
0: We're also seeing a lot of true crime podcasts in romance, so sort of, like, these amateur detectives that are gathering clues, maybe getting into trouble, and broadcasting this info to a larger audience. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing with romance, aside from it just being, like, a topical thing, like, of course it's leaking into romance, like, what a shock. I think... It's kind of become like the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. So all of the stuff we said about true crime, where you get all the feelings and the emotions and the justifications, but since it's a romance, you know, it's going to work out. And I think you can actually avoid a lot of those ethical Mm -hmm. considerations that we have spent like an hour talking about. It's almost like a cozy mystery. Yeah. No, and there's definitely cozy mysteries where that happens. And you know what? Even in books where like, oh, they've been dead all along, which I did read one. But she goes off with the ghost boyfriend at the end. Oh. <laughs> so, like, even then, there is still some kind of happy ending, even with all of this other kind of chaos and questions and uh, wildness. Right. You know, the one that pops in my head is mm-hmm. Dile for Aunties.
1: Oh, yeah. Because it starts off, she kills him. Yeah. And then they
0: spend the whole book,
1: like, trying to mm-hmm. hide the body with the help yeah. of the aunties. And then she falls in love at the same yes. time. So, it's just this kind of interesting, mm-hmm. like, it. <sighs> It runs the danger of, like we were talking about a couple minutes ago, of becoming comedic okay. and making light of things, I think.
0: It depends. Because you know what? I actually don't mind it being comedic and fiction. Okay. I think if it's fiction, it fiction. Yeah, I don't care. So like, dial A for auntie, sure, kill the guy. Yeah. That's totally fine. It was not based off a real thing. Yeah. Nobody really got hurt. Yes. That's a good call. I'm not going to sit here and be like, ooh, it's so bad yeah. of you. I mean, I was about to ask you if you do think there's like an ethical consideration the only time I could think of it is if you're gonna like copy and paste Ted Bundy yeah. into a book and like turn him into the hero which I'm sure somewhere on KU yeah, has like done <laughs> and because there is a difference because like we have talked so much about dark romance so there is definitely a place for some of these awful people but I think if you're gonna take like a dead Bundy and do oh this is Dan Bootney in this <laughs> romance that would be the only line I could see If it's like mm. really obviously Or like, like when they make a Nazi romance Yes Which is still an mm-hmm. oxymoron <laughs> Or um <laughs>
1: It's like how we were talking about... Oh, man, I just lost my train of thought again. Oh, it's like how we were talking about with Thomas on the trope off where enemies to lovers, Mm -hmm. you have to set it very clearly at the beginning that this is the romance hero. And as it is a romance, he is a hero. And Mm -hmm. there is going to be some sort of redeeming quality to him somewhere Mm -hmm. along the line. Even with dark romances, they're still like... They love the heroine and that redeems them. Exactly. Like
0: I've just did a whole mobster read over the weekend. And yeah, they were awful people who talked about torture and death and killing and yada yada but then they'd go home and like cuddle the heroin it was all good exactly and then they'd go save a puppy or something yeah yeah did they save a dog they didn't save a dog but they did (laughs) like cuddle her while you know they shot somebody else okay what book was it this was by lucy monroe yeah and she does a whole like it's called like syndicate syndicate okay Okay. well no it's like a series the writing like is a little iffy which is weird because she's written like over a hundred things for huck but she's a harlequin author that's like her bread and butter okay that's why the name sounds familiar yeah gotcha okay. so no she's read like like when i look on amazon she's got like 400 items wow there's only like a couple, so couple impressive. in like kindle unlimited that's so impressive I know. yeah the one's urgent vows and the other one's demanding mob boss oh. so not like the most creative titles hey it still tells you what they are and actually the i will say they are very progressive worlds okay like the one character is actually trans with a child with the cousin oh, wow. of one of the mobsters okay. and they torture a female person and one of the mob leaders is a female. Okay. Yeah. Hey. So I look, like look, it. look at that progression from. role. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's not exactly true crime, so I feel like I lost <laughs> the train there. But just in general, like, yeah, I don't, I do not care what you do in fiction. Yeah. I think at a certain point, if you know there's something you can't handle, then you really need to take the responsibility to not read that book. Mm-hmm. That's about it. I mean, don't go write mind comps, but otherwise, like. You know, as a librarian, we still have to have Mein Kampf in the library. Um, Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if you disagree or not, but I don't think it's a bad thing at all that we're seeing more true crime elements in Romance. I think it's better, honestly, because, yeah, at the end of the day, they're fake people. There's fake situations. So no one actually got murdered in these stories. Yeah. So unlike a lot of ethical things, I don't like I don't have any concerns about it. I think if we sit here and wonder, oh, what does it mean that this person really loves reading about murder for entertainment and romance? We would have to open that up to to other genres. And it's looking at myself in a mirror. (laughs) Like, obviously, it's just different in real life. Yeah, it just is.
1: I think it, it's like Thomas and I were talking about when Jen was not with us when we were talking about the issue with the Seattle Kraken mm-hmm. and the, the romance reader who was like sexually harassing a player yeah. because she was reading the romance book. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to, like Jen said, recognize there's that obvious clear delineation between fiction yeah. and reality. And what we read in fiction is fiction. Mm-hmm. And what happens in the real world is the real world. And yep. they have different rules. Mm-hmm. There are They're completely just different. different rules for how fiction mm-hmm. works, how fiction world works. Even if it's our world, it's a contemporary, modern rom-com. Yeah. It is completely different than us stepping foot at our door mm-hmm. every morning. Right, And like you said, as long as it's not based on a mm-hmm. true crime that actually happened, yep. that is a hard no. You, you had a thought. Oh, no, I was waiting for the end of your thought. Oh, that's, I think that's the end okay. of my thought.
0: Yeah, I think in... And, you know, it's a really good indicator, too, of the kinds of different roles women can have in romance mm. now. Because going back to that idea of mm. mystery and thrillers, where, like, okay, if you were in a mystery book in the 90s, you were probably either the FBI agent... Mm-hmm. Or you were the person who, like, the serial killer is targeted. Stalked. You yeah. know, there's, like, no middle. Nora but Roberts, feel, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but I feel like when you bring true crime into it, there is, like, a nice middle. Yeah. Because you can either notice something and start investigating it. You can start a, a blog and start kind of going out... And like doing interviews or finding people to help you. Like it's definitely a more of an active role. It's like My Killer Vacation. Yeah, exactly. That's I, that book has its own issues, yes. Mm-hmm. But the
1: premise of it is that she's what, a kindergarten teacher? Yeah. And she goes on vacation and, and finds like a dead and body. Finds a body in the condo
0: mm-hmm. and then and she, she has teams to, like, up with the the bounty. Yeah. 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 That's I fun. just think in general, like it makes a lot of sense for it to start leaking into romance where in general, like, women are having more agency and it's not yeah. just oh well here's flame in the flower and it's like oh she's and,
1: investigating or she's the victim no yeah. women are more than mm-hmm. that yeah like, it's like a
0: different uh trope yeah look right. at that
1: hey look at that hey. all right
0: um so that was some thoughts about true crime i think we Kay. could sit here and talk some. about it for like five hours <laughs> probably no i feel us. like we didn't even do enough of romance did that make sense <laughs> i don't know but there is like genuinely a ton of true crime into modern romance so if it's something you guys are interested in please check it out Mm -hmm. i am saying again it is different from dark romance it's different from thriller it's different from mystery so read a couple books Mm -hmm. let me know if you agree or disagree if i need to do a whole episode correcting myself just now let us know at raging romantics at org. well i hope this wasn't a a crime to listen to (laughs) jackie what are we doing next time i have no idea Oh yeah, well it'll be a
1: surprise for both of us (laughs) it'll be november we have a big episode planned for the end of november which we're so excited about Mm -hmm. um but if you guys have anything you want to listen to you know know. like jen said email us Mm -hmm. let us know we'll happily cover any topics at this point as is obvious but cool well thank you all for listening as always thanks to nopal
0: and you know what i feel like this is probably one of our last spooky episodes we could do because we're running out of like spooky topics for october the last one left, I think, is like we'll ghosts. Just have to talk about more
1: monsters. <laughs> we'll find. New- we'll break it down into categories Ooh. of monsters. New monsters will come out by then. Uh, excellent. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of Cthulhu, so we could talk about Let's him. See. There you go. All right. That'll be fun. But anyways, Jen, what do we always say? Rage
0: on.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. Bye, guys. <laughs>
0: I can put that in the bloopers yes, I'm That just sounds kind of nice It probably doesn't look good I'm glad you can't see my mouth <laughs> You're blocked